0: Last week, I mentioned that it's fall, and that means football, and for me, basketball weather. Uh, I stayed up last night and watched double double overtime uh, to watch Carolina finally not give the game away to Duke, okay? I was, they tried a couple times, right? Um, But you know what else fall means? Fall also means harvest time. It also means Thanksgiving coming up soon. We've already began to see the darkness that comes with the time change. And we are starting to see the leaves change colors. And if your yard is like mine, for them to fall in the yard, um, it's starting to fill up the yard. The grass is dying. The plants are beginning to become dormant, preparing for the cold winter. And, you know, sometimes in our spiritual lives, we can kind of seem the same. We can kind of see a fall in the season of our spiritual lives. And oftentimes, what looks like darkness and dormant times in our lives, sometimes we think that things are off or messed up. But God doesn't let anything go to waste, which is why Paul tells us, as we're going to see today, that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. Not just in the spring of our life or in the summer of our life, but even in the fall and the winter of our life. We are to rejoice in the Lord always because even what looks like failure and even what looks like death, God can use to bring new life author Catherine McNeil writes about the spiritual value to be found in every season of life, including seasons of dormancy, because in God's creation, nothing is wasted. And she writes these words. She says, fruits and vegetables have been harvested to provide life to other creatures. And even if they are left to rot on the vine or in the field, they will fall and feed the soil. Worms and fungus recycle them back to the ground and uh, recycle them back to the ground, and they spring forth new life. Nothing is wasted or destroyed, but only transformed. If this is the way that God acts through his creation, might we expect him to work in the same way in our spiritual lives, she writes. All our efforts and our disappointments and our victories and our failures— in his kingdom, nothing is wasted. He is taking it all and he is shaping us. He is forming us into a steadfast work towards his own, a world made new. Is this why he exhorts us to rejoice in all circumstances? Because God is always, always making things new. Friends, we have seen over the last couple of weeks, many weeks, as we have been studying through Paul's letter to the Philippians, we have seen Paul's deep love for the church at Philippi. We saw that Paul rejoices that, he, that Jesus has proclaimed in and through him, no matter what he is going through, that in every way Jesus's name is proclaimed. Paul has shown us what it looks like to live lives as Christ, as Jesus, putting others before ourselves. We have seen the example of Jesus and Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus. Paul has warned us to beware of the dogs who are only looking out for their own interests and not looking out for the interests of others. Paul has taught us to press on no matter what we are facing and going through no matter what hardships and pains we are going through, Paul's taught us to press on because our citizenship is in heaven. And so we must walk in this life as our Lord and Savior has shown us to walk, to walk as he walked. And last week we said that our destination changes how we journey here and now. Now, the first part of this book of Philippians has been theory. Chapters one through three has been the why. And now we're gonna get to the practical. Now Paul is going to turn to the how. We have seen the why, as we said last week, and we must always first focus on the why before we can focus on the how. And so chapters one, two, and three have been the why. And now Paul is gonna give us the how that we find joy for our journey. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Philippians. And if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. Uh, Please take one to use or take one as a gift from us to you if you don't own one. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 is where we're going to be at today. We'll also have it up here on the screen. If you're looking for Philippians, it's in the New Testament, which is on the right side of your Bible, almost towards the, uh, the back of it there right after Ephesians and right before Colossians, Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. So because of all that we have seen in chapters 1, 2, and 3, now Paul tells us that we are to stand firm, stand firm. Read along with me, Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Let's pause there for just a moment. Now, remember, Paul has a deep love for these people at Philippi. He has a deep love for Lydia and for the slave girl and for the jailer and all the others who are part of the church there at Philippi. Here, he says that they are his joy and his crown. Paul not only loves them deeply, but Paul is proud of all that Jesus has done in and through the Philippians' lives. And he is proud of all that Jesus is going to do in and through them. He's proud of the way that they are living mature in their faith following Jesus. And so he tells them to stand firm. Standing firm is something not new to Paul's letter to the Philippians, but it's something that we see all throughout the Bible. And specifically in the New Testament, we see this idea of standing firm. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand firm against the devil's schemes. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul tells us to be on alert, firm in our faith. And then in the book of Hebrews, We have this theme over and over again about standing firm, about holding fast. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we are to hold fast to the hope that we have in Christ. We are to hold fast to the assurance that we have had from the beginning until the end because we are partakers in Christ. We are to hold fast to our confession that we have because of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. We are to hold fast to the confession of our great high priest who has gone through heaven, who is Jesus, the son of God. We are to hold fast without wavering for he who has promised is faithful. And these are just some of the hold fast, stand firm statements in the book of Hebrews. But over and over again throughout the New Testament we see this idea of standing firm. Standing firm that we see here in Philippians chapter 4 verse 1. But in order for us to stand firm it must not come from ourselves. Remember, we've already seen that Paul has said that we are to count everything as lost that we may gain Christ. We must come to the end of ourselves. So if we are going to stand firm, it starts by us standing firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in his promises, not in ourselves, not in stuff, not even in other people. Because we have seen as we've studied through Philippians that our friends at some point will fail us. Our family will disappoint us. Our money will fly off the shelf and be gone. Our talents will leave us lacking. And even we ourselves will fail ourselves. We saw a couple of weeks ago that when we put our confidence in ourselves, in our flesh, we will always be left disappointed. But what will never fail us? What's our rock What's our strong tower and our firm ground, as the psalmist says over and over again, is the Lord. He will never fail us. His promises are sure. This is why we as a church say that we trust that Jesus is all that we need because he is. He's all that we need. And so if we're gonna stand firm, it starts with us standing firm in the Lord. Secondly, if we are going to stand firm in the Lord, then we need to live in harmony with each other. Look at the next verses there in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. Paul says, I plead with Judah and I plead with Sinek, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companions, to help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co workers whose names are in the book of life. So we see here there were some issues going on with two women in the church at Philippi. Now we aren't told what their issues or their problems or their conflict was about. But Paul begs them to be of the same mind, to lay aside their own personal interests and and have the interest of Jesus and the interest of his kingdom and the interest of his church first. He begs them to mend their broken relationship. Friends, if we are going to stand firm in the Lord, then we must live in harmony with each other in the Lord. And if we want to live in harmony with one another, that means that we may also have to reconcile with others. This may be a shock to you or maybe news to you, but everything isn't about you. It's not about me. Everything isn't about you and it isn't about me. We as the church, we as our lives, everything is about Jesus and his kingdom, not our own kingdom. And so we need to set ourselves aside. We may need to humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness from our brothers or sisters. And we may need to offer forgiveness to them so that we can live in harmony with each other in Jesus. Paul tells us in Romans 12, that as far as it depends on us, live at peace with each other. Now, we can't control anybody else. We can only control the person in our mirror, right? So all we can do is offer peace and, and work to pursue peace. We can't control whether somebody else is going to accept that or even to not work against it. But as far as it depends on us, we need to live at peace with each other. Paul doesn't tell us that we are to like each other. <laughs> we don't have to like each other to love each other. If you spend time with family, you know how true that is, right? Amen. Hey, you're getting ready for a Thanksgiving, Christmas. You better get ready, okay? Man, there's sometimes we don't like the people that we love, right? We, we don't have to agree with each other on everything, but we need to live agreeable. We need to live in harmony with one another. We need to be at peace with one another. We need to love one another, not just the feeling of love, but sacrificing for the needs of other people. We don't always have to like the ones that we love, but we have to love them still. You know, James tells us that the reason a lot of times that we don't like other people and that we fight and bicker is because of ourselves. They have said something or done something or haven't said, haven't done something that we think they should. And friends, we just need to get over it. We need to offer forgiveness and ask for forgiveness and put ourselves aside. And we need to come together despite our differences and have unity with one another and have harmony with one another and live in community with one another and come together on what we do have in common. All of us are broken sinners and all of us are in need of a savior. This is what binds us together. This is what brings us unity. And friends, if we are going to stand firm in the Lord, then we need to live in harmony with one another. The second part of this is not only do we need to work to live at harmony with one another, but we as the church need to help others live in harmony with each other. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. We need to help others to make peace in their relationships with each other. We need to foster reconciliation. Friends, if we are going to live at harmony with one another and love one another, we need to help each other live in harmony with with one another, which is why Paul tells the church to help these two women who have conflict, to have unity, to have harmony. Jesus points us to the importance of living in harmony with each other in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. This is what Jesus says. He says, therefore, if you are offering a gift at the altar and, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, notice what Jesus tells us to do. He doesn't say, go ahead and make your offering, make your gift. No, he says, leave your gift in front of the altar and go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly, Jesus says. John tells us in his letter, in his letter that whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. He tells us that if we do not, if we hate our brother and sister, we do not love our brother and sister whom we have seen, we cannot love God whom we have not seen. Friends, we need to work to reconcile our relationships. Not that we have to agree on every single thing. Not that we have to even like everything about everybody else. We need to live in harmony with each other. And that may mean that some of us need to go and be reconciled to our brothers and sisters today. Settle these matters quickly, Jesus says. Here at Journey Church, we say it like this, that we connect with each other outside of Sunday mornings. This is one of our goals. The other six, the other six days of the week. We need others to walk through the messiness of this life together with us, that we can pray with us, that can encourage us, that can hold us accountable. And so if we have something against someone else, let's settle these matters quickly. Let's help others settle their differences because we need each other. We are better when we are together, despite our differences. Because no matter what season of life we find ourselves in, in the fall, winter, spring, or summer, we need each other. We need to connect with each other. If you're not connected to a life group, life groups are a great place to find other people. And friends, I don't know why it is, but if you're anything like me, I have a tendency to, When things are going hard and and things are going bad and things are falling apart in my life or things are just really tough, I have a tendency to withdraw from other people. Anybody else like that? I have a tendency to want to pull back. But it's precisely in those moments that we need to draw in. It's in those moments when we are trying to pull away from life group and pull away from church that we actually need to draw in. Because it's in those moments in the fall, in the winter of our life, when things become dark and dormant, that we actually need each other even more. I've heard it said that grief demands a witness. And friends, when we are suffering through grief, whether it's a loss of a loved one or even the loss of a job or just grief over something that's going on in our life, it demands a witness. We need other people to pray with us, to pray for us, and to encourage us, and to hold us accountable. Friends, if we are going to stand firm in the Lord, then we must live in harmony with one another. If we are going to love God, then we will love our brothers and our sisters. And I've already mentioned this, but I think so often we mistake harmony and peace and love with agreeing. That's not what that means. We don't have to agree with each other on everything to live agreeable, despite what our culture tells us we can disagree and still live in harmony with each other. When we are standing firm in the Lord, when we are living in harmony with each other, then we will be able to rejoice in the Lord always. Look at the next verses. Philippians 4, verse 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. It's hard to read. Do not be anxious about anything, Thomas. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We see this over and over again in Paul's letter to the Philippians. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord no matter what. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your feelings are, no matter what season of life you are going through, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice not in yourself, not in your circumstances, but rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in him. He who is faithful, rejoice in God. Rejoice in he who saves the broken. So we stand firm in and we rejoice in the Lord. Now, if we are going to rejoice in the Lord and stand firm in the Lord, then we have to remember who the Lord is because we are forgetful, (laughs) So if we are going to be able to rejoice, even when everything else is falling apart in the Lord, then we need to remember who the Lord is. Daily, we need to be reminded of who God is. And we do this by daily examining his word, the Bible, which is why one of our other goals here as a church is for us to be like the Bereans who examined Scripture every single day. We do this by daily studying God's Word because, friends, our lives can change in the matter of moments. Our seasons of life can change in the matter of seconds. We can get one phone call or text or have one event happen in our life, and we can go from life to death, happiness to pain, but we can still rejoice. Not in those circumstances, but we can rejoice always in the Lord, for he is faithful. If we are standing firm in, not in our circumstances, but in the Lord, and if we are daily being reminded of who he is by studying his word, then we can rejoice even when everything is falling apart. Friends, if we want to stand firm in the Lord, we need to live in harmony with one another. We need to rejoice in the Lord always. And as Paul says here, we need to let our gentle spirit be evident, be known to all. Now that sounds kind of crazy because when we think of standing firm, we think of being strong, being loud, standing up, standing out. But Paul says, stand firm in the Lord And let your gentle spirit be evident to all. Friends, we stand firm in the Lord, not by condoning sin, but by loving sinners. We let our gentle spirit known when we are gentle with the broken. Even if those broken people ultimately don't come and find ultimate healing through Jesus and forgiveness through Jesus. We let our gentle spirit known to all by being anxious for nothing i don't know about you but those words are hard for me to live out so they're hard for me to read paul says be anxious for nothing but but paul what about what about this <laughs> paul says be anxious for nothing and if i'm honest with you these are hard because i worry Now I get worked up. Paul says, be anxious about nothing. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 to to not worry about this life, about what you will eat or about what you drink, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. So how in the world do we do that? How do we let tomorrow worry about self? How do we be anxious about nothing? Well, Paul tells us here that we do this. Through prayer. We give it all to God over and over again. We give it to God. We pray. We, we ask. We give thanks to God. We make our requests known to God. We pray and pray and pray. We give thanks and we pray some more. The cure for anxiety is prayer. Because prayer is the avenue that God reminds us of who he is, that we can trust in him, that we can take everything to him, no matter how big or how small. So be anxious for nothing. Take your request to God. Tell him your worries and your struggles and your pains. And friends, I find when I'm worked up and worried and anxious, that oftentimes it's because I haven't been taking everything to God in prayer. Friends, take it all to God in prayer. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what season of life you are in, no matter what's falling apart in your life, no matter where you are, present your requests to God in prayer. At Thanksgiving time, a lot of of families do this, but this is something that we need to do outside of Thanksgiving, We need to make a list of the things that we are grateful for and thankful for. Especially when you find anxiety and worry creeping up in your life, begin making a list saying, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you have done. And even though I can't remember it right now, thank you, thank you for being you. And thank you for all that you've done in my life and all that you are going to do. When you read through the Psalms, so often you see that. You see their despair. They say, oh, my life is terrible. Everyone's out to get me. I'm in the middle of the desert. But then they a lot of times turn back and say, but God, I still praise you because I remember when I was in your courts. Make a list of things that you're thankful for, even in the moments that you are anxious Derek Johnson shares this story about the moving prayer of his four-year-old daughter, Jackie. Derek said when Jackie was four years old, he saw her kneeling at the coffee table in the living room, looking down and supposing that he was, she was looking down at the wedding pictures or their picture album to Disney World. He smiled and asked anyway, Jackie, what are you doing? She paused and she looked up for a moment and said, Jackie prays. This seemed too good of an opportunity for Derek to pass up. So he said, can I pray with you? Jackie, with one word response, said yes. So he knelt beside his daughter and he asked, do you want daddy to pray or are you going to pray? Full of confidence, she said, Jackie prays. So she folded her hands and she closed her eyes and then she looked up at her daddy and said, you close your eyes too. (laughs) And Derek confesses that he was staring down with love And wonder after all, Jesus said, watch and pray. And so with his hands folded and his head bowed and his eyes closed, he heard these words, dear Jesus, thank you, amen. So Derek looked down at his daughter and said, is that it? (laughs) And she responded with that's enough. Those five words moved him to tears. So Derek went up into his office and for the next 30 minutes, he sat on his knees and prayed, Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the good times and the hard times. Thank you for the happy times and the tough times because they are all from your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you." Because thank you is enough. Friends, we stand firm in the Lord when we live in harmony with one another. When no matter what we are facing, we are rejoicing through the Lord because we are known for our gentleness, because we are not anxious about anything, because we are taking everything to God in prayer and saying thank you to Jesus. And then Paul, he shares with us what the results of us standing firm in the Lord are. Look at verse seven here, this last verse that we'll look at together this morning. And Paul says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, the result of us standing firm in the Lord the result of us living in harmony with each other, the result of us rejoicing in the Lord no matter what is going on in our life, the result of us being known for our gentle spirit, the result of us of being anxious for nothing because we're taking everything to God in prayer, the result of doing all of those things is the peace of God that transcends all understanding, the peace that passes all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. Peace, when everything around us is at war, when life is crazy, where there's, when there's no end in sight, God's peace will guard your hearts and your mind and it won't make any sense. We should be anxious and sorrowful and fighting and falling down. But when the peace of God is guarding our hearts and our minds, we will live in a way that goes against reason. We will live in a way that stands firm when everything else is falling down. We will live in a way that is at peace when everyone else is fighting. We will live in a way that is seeking to make peace even when it's not our fight. We'll live in a way that rejoices in the Lord when everyone else says that we should curse his name we'll live in a way that is worry-free because we are giving it all at the feet of the cross. Rest in the peace of God. Notice that Paul, nor God, promises us to remove us from the situations. God does not promise to heal the sickness. God does not promise to restore which is broken or which has been lost. But friends, when we are standing firm, not in ourselves, but in the Lord, when we are remembering who he is, when we are living at harmony with each other, when we are taking everything to God in prayer, when we are thanking God, no matter what is going on, God promises us, his peace that transcends all understanding. God promises us that his peace will guard our our hearts and our minds. Even if our situations don't change, God promises us that we will change. We will have peace even in the middle of the storm. So friends, today I wanna ask you, Where do you find yourselves? Are you in the spring and the summer of life? Are things beginning to grow and become new in your life? Well, then praise God, because one day in his presence is better than a thousand in anywhere else. Are you in the fall or the winter of your life? Do you feel picked through and left empty? Well, praise God, because he is faithful and true. Praise him that he lets nothing go to waste in his kingdom, that he is working to make all things new. No matter what season of life you find yourselves in, know that you are not alone and rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say, rejoice. Rest in God's faithful peace and find joy for your journey. Friends, do you find yourself with strife between your brother and sister? Let me challenge you today to go to them today and settle the matter quickly and help others to live in harmony with each other so that we all can learn to stand firm in the Lord. We pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you that even when our lives are falling apart, even when things are, are breaking all around us, even when, when, when everything seems like it is going against us, Father, thank you that we can stand firm in you, that we can hold fast on your promises. And Father, we thank you that even though you don't promise to change our situations, you promise us your peace that transcends all understanding. guard our hearts and our minds in your son, Jesus. So Father, help us to carry everything to you in prayer so that we can be anxious about nothing. So that we can rejoice in you always. So that we can stand firm on you. Our strong tower our shield and our rock, our deliverer, our creator, our sustainer, and our savior. Father, I thank you that we can rejoice in you no matter what. So, Father, help us to rest in your peace this morning. Father, we ask all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.